0: Countdown for blast off X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Welcome to another episode of the Forgot My Dice Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, that ray of sunshine to my outstretched leaf,
1: Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing, buddy? I'm your ray of sunshine. Yes, you are, bud. Yes, you are. No, there's no way I'm a ray of sunshine today. Hello, hello. I um, apparently think that I'm not a 40-year-old man, so it's my fault, Jonathan. It's my fault. We're starting with video games. Although we gotta do announcements, but screw it, we're gonna start with video games real quick. It came out, didn't it? I just put the pieces together in my head. It came out, didn't it? No, no, that's that's really? July twelfth at eight o'clock, no. So I've been passing the time, and what game passes time like nobody's business? Civilization five. Oh god, you're in the hole. You got sucked o- in, didn't okay, you? Okay, no, no, it's worse. It's worse. My uh my continued playing of it. I'm like I'm like a black hole, and I have now gained enough mass by playing it that I sucked in my wife, and my buddy, and so now all of us have been up way too late because we've been playing that stupid game because we're just one more turning it, and all of a sudden it's like after midnight, and you know we're over. I 40. know this
0: well. I've been down the Civ
1: rabbit hole. You know, I, I I'm a I'm a
0: recovered addict.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we're not even playing Civ Six. We're not even playing Civ Six. But I, I am tired. That's okay. You know, I have great
0: sympathy for you because I've been down that road and with that game. Yeah, that game is the king of one more turn.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's like it never has a good stopping point, right? You know, you just play it, and you're like, oh, and there's just there's just always something that you're doing. You know, it's like, oh, I'm trying to get these guys to these ruins, but I can't use auto-pathing because somebody I'm at war with is in the area, or there's some stupid barbarian, so I kind of have to, like, skirt around this particular path, or, oh, I'm working towards this wonder, or, oh, I'm doing this thing. There's just always something that you're, you know, sort of, like, you've got a finger in some pie somewhere, and there's never a point where you can just go, oh, hey, this is a break, you know? You're always you're always doing something in that game, yeah. That's my video game, Jonathan. Let's do announcements, and we can come back to this. <laughs> I feel your pain, bud. Well, let's talk about
0: announcements. As always, we're going to start off with a big thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. As always, you guys are helping us keep the lights on and help us, uh, well, help Robert's uh, insane insomnia. That's really difficult to say in a row, by the way. I'm not even going to try. So thank you. Thank you, uh, uh, of course. And, Robert, we have expanded the reach of our influence.
1: Is that is that a Civ joke?
0: Yes, we're doing a cultural takeover of Spotify. Oh,
1: yes, yes. We've, uh... Is that the world wonder that's on our Civ map? It's just sort of Spotify. It's like (laughs) it's just the logo. Yeah, it it gives us culture and science. We put the old podcast on Spotify, so if you have problems downloading us for odd reasons, I don't know, just try to download us on Spotify. We're there now, too. By the way, Jonathan, I just want to say, the national days for today are kind of bad. This is the only one that appeared on the calendar. So, uh... Happy National Aniseed Day, which is a uh, some sort of flavored liqueur <laughs> that's made by distilling aniseed and sometimes adding a little sugar syrup. It's popular in Spain and Portugal and France. And it should not be drank straight because it's very very harsh. You should mix it. It's, it's like a mixer drink. I hear if you like black jelly beans or licorice, this is the liqueur for you. So there you go. Have a glass if you're of that persuasion.
0: Having tended bar and uh, worked with this stuff, uh, it's uh, not for me. Mm. It is not for me.
1: Well, it must be for someone out there. So, hashtag National Anisette Day. Enjoy.
0: Fun liquor fact: If you are uh, so inclined to drink said anisette, you want to look for something that has a a a very white color to it. The whiter it is, generally speaking, the better the anisette is. It's white.
1: Yes, creamy white. That's weird. I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I approve.
0: When you, it's not when it's not white when you first serve it, but you you, you really can't drink it straight. It's way too strong. So when you mix it with water, is when it becomes white. It's the, the interaction with the water that creates the, the milky whiteness.
1: Weird. That's like chemistry and stuff. Yeah, and the the whiter it is,
0: generally that's the higher it indicates a higher grade of aniseed. So there you go. Fun liquor facts with the Forgot My Dice podcast.
1: Join us again in two weeks where we may or may not remember to do another of these. You know, we, we forgot to do the national day last time. Like I said, I, I said there were better ones, but I didn't actually like, you know, do them. Cause I'm, I'm bad. So I think we can skip that. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, that of course means it's time for our off the shelf segment. And that is of course the segment where we, we, tell you about all the wonderful things that we've gotten off of our shelves, put onto our tables and robert in your case invaded
1: into your heart with cute little spears i, I don't like the spear people i like swords
0: i know but you got to start somewhere
1: wow 67's national days are not very good either i'm looking at it right now
0: <laughs> what we'll do with that when we get
1: there yeah yeah you you are in for a treat they're they're kind of they're kind of weird they're a little weird and sets kind of like what but the, the what the he- wow okay i can't wait i can't wait to, let's get through this we need to get to 67 it's going to be fun uh, last episode, I mentioned that I was considering getting a FMD group uh, play-by-post microscope game going. Uh, I have posted about that today. Uh, Ray and Brendan have already piped up, so I think we can do a play-by-post. I need to, uh, this this will be an experiment. It may not work so good. So if if it doesn't work, well, knowing is how you know stuff, and, and we'll find that out. But yeah, yeah, yeah. If And if you're not part of our Facebook group, come join our Facebook group. Uh, I'm not going to get started until like a day or two after this episode airs. So if it sounds like fun, if you want to play a little microscope with us, come and join and then click yes or type in yes and say you want to play. And there you go. Let's continue with video games. All right. So I was playing Civ Five and go, Jonathan. <laughs> uh, let's see. Under video games,
0: uh, I have been playing a uh, uh, an Xbox. Well, I don't know if it's just Xbox only, but it's a one of the smaller arcade titles called Ruiner. That's a weird and it's title. it's this weird three-quarter isometric cyberpunk uh, beat-em-up game. It reminds me in a weird way of Flashback in terms of just some of the, the animation and whatnot, but it's definitely got this red and black palette, and um, it, it's very cyberpunk, and it's really fun. It's kind of cool. It's a dual-stick shooter. Oh, it's one of those. Like Smash TV it's very arcadey because all of the scenes are broken up into tiny little vignettes and they're combat vignettes where you get graded at the end of it based on how you do. By
1: the way, that is on the PlayStation store. I just checked. So there you go. It is Cross several platforms now.
0: So, um, ruiner, I'm having a lot of fun with it, especially for, well, I mean, I'm on Xbox, Xbox game pass. So for me, it was, uh, just included in the price, but, Uh, Got back into Battlefront 2. They've had several patches and a whole bunch of new content uh, drop, so I decided to put it up. I've been kind of jonesing for some Star Wars. So, uh, yeah, I've been playing some uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2, and hey, it's super fun. Been having a blast with it. I can't remember why I stopped playing it, to be honest with you.
1: Probably because something else came out. Yeah, that's fair. I'm going to go with that.
0: Uh, Finished up Season 1 of Apex Legends looking forward to season two i hear there's going to be uh, at least one maybe two new characters and a bunch of new equipment and some new weaponry on a whim based on some reviews i ended up buying sonic team racing team sonic racing excuse
1: me yeah there's a lot of those games crash crash racing or crash bandicoot racing is coming out again they're like remastering it for the playstation 4 well team sonic racing is good I'm having a great time with it, a surprisingly good time. Yeah, I've been looking. I, I bought a couple of budget titles that were kind of in the Mario Kart vein, but they just didn't quite do it. They didn't have mm, this one's got what it takes. This one's got that uh, that something something. Okay, well, that's good. I'm really enjoying it. I'll have to I'll have to check it out. Hopefully, there's a demo or it's at the library or something. Because yeah, I, I want to get I want to get one. I really like Mario Kart Racing. I just you know I want to get something that kind of has that feel. Yeah, so that's video games for me. You went to the movies. I did go to the movies. I forgot to talk about one last time. I uh, I, I saw this right before we recorded last time. Uh, I saw Godzilla King of the Monsters, and we forgot to talk you. about
0: it. I haven't had a chance to go yet. I hate you.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what was interesting about that movie is, you remember how the old Godzilla movies got a little goofy with their world building? Like the third to last Godzilla movie, uh, Godzilla vs. Megalodon, where they just sort of Introduce jet jaguar and and the Atlanteans and their giant cockroach that they can magically control somehow to attack the surface world, that type of stuff, yeah, yeah, they're cribbing off of that homework for for the second Godzilla movie. it's not quite that bad, but there's some goofy stuff in it that it's like what <laughs> I don't want to give anything else away because it's kind of spoilers, but yeah it's uh and i I enjoyed it for that because it was like this big budget Hollywood movie that was. You know, trying to be serious, but then they were just kind of cribbing off some of the goofier elements of the of the Godzilla mythos. So I, I, I was tickled pink, but it was it was it was not what I expected when it started happening. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know what? I hate to say it. Uh, there were there was too much monster fighting. What? Oh my God! if I was in the room, I would backhand you uh, I am I'm am on record that Godzilla movies completely hinge on if you give a crap about what's happening to the humans, and the humans uh were not great and there wasn't a lot of plot going along with them there was there were things that were happening with them and and it was like this didn't even at all need to happen at all like Gareth Edwards did not do this one, right? No, no, it's some new guy. I forget who it is, but yeah, he left. He After after Roguani, I, I don't know if he retired or what, but he hasn't really done a movie since then, which is a shame. Yeah, he's so good.
0: He's so good. Michael Doherty. Michael
1: Doherty, yeah. I forget what he's done. This is his first
0: big movie. Do you know what his previous claim to fame was? No. Krampus. Ah, nice. <laughs> the 2015 masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. Followed, followed several years before, after Trick or Treat,
1: Making Friends.
0: Nice. A sequel to Trick or Treat.
1: That's fair. I don't want to say I was underwhelmed. It it was kind of like Aquaman or something, you know, where I was watching it, and I was entertained and I was enjoying it, but I don't think I'd call it a good movie. <laughs> Which
0: is weird because he's actually a good writer. Do you know what some of the things he's written it are? Hmm. He's credited with writing credits for Superman Returns. X-Men 2, X-Men United, arguably the best X-Men movie of the of the bigger ones.
1: Yeah, the only one I think could catch up to that one is like Days of Future Past. I th- th- those, those two would f- have a pretty good fight if they were... Yeah,
0: I agree. Days of Future Past is what I would consider a perfect movie. It's so good.
1: Yeah. Well, like, X2 is good. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't think it was... Re- re- I think there were a couple of casting mistakes, and I honestly... There was just some weirdness with the human story that was just like what? I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. It, it. it would get spoilery. But it is it is a goofy old school throwback to the 60s 70s Godzilla. Like they are, they're definitely cr- channeling that. And so if you didn't like that era of Godzilla because it's kind of silly, like yeah. And then the and, and again, like there just wasn't enough of them. Like it, it yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Just too much monster fighting. They needed to like actually have a story. Cause they only like sort of had a story.
0: Well, all right. What else did you watch?
1: I watched a a movie. So, uh, my library has a subscription service to canopy, which is a streaming service. And it's got a lot of like weird stuff on it, like kind of art house films and foreign films and all this weirdness. So I kind of take it as a challenge every so often to find something that looks interesting on it because, you know, it's like, I don't know if it's highbrow or low rent or a little of both, but, but I found a movie on it called what we do in shadows. Oh, my God. Have you heard of this movie?
0: Yes. That, you know who? Uh, who of, that, right?
1: to, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, that guy.
0: That's his big claim to fame.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays one of the. OK, so the what it is, is it's a film that's supposed to be made by the New Zealand documentary or board or something like that. And it's about uh, a group of vampires living in Wellington. Is it on Netflix? I it, it has been. I'm not I don't think it is currently, but it's it. if it's on canopy, man, it can't be that hard to get. like like go check out the cedar park library maybe they even have it man i don't know but um it was surprisingly good i was very i was very entertained it it, i mean you know it was was a movie about these three guys who are vampires and they all live together in a house and uh it's kind of like a reality show about the three of them and uh yeah i I don't want to spoil anymore it was it was just it was really good it was fun
0: and then you watched the movie
1: yes yes you gave me the challenge and i i had 10 days left on hbo man and i i got um I, we all we all hate watched it based off of your recommendation <laughs> i told you i warned you it's not a good movie no but i enjoyed it i don't know what else to say uh we're, we're talking about the predator It had some problems, man. Like it. it, it, Oh, it's got serious problems. Yeah, it's not a good movie. No, no, but like their their views on like like how autistic people work is like something that needs to die in Hollywood. Like that needs to go. Oh, agreed, agreed. I do agree. Like if you can ignore the problem problematic elements that pop up from time to time. The, there is something oddly engaging about it however it, it very definitely peaked very early in the movie when they're going down that like secret government elevator and the one guy goes is this haunted room actually stretching and i just <laughs> died
0: <laughs> yeah that was pretty funny for,
1: for those of you who don't know that's a, a reference to the the rides uh the haunted mansion in the various disneylands and uh yeah jonathan and i we lived in socal in our youth we we rode that a few times so the, the haunted mansion i is legit my favorite ride in disneyland i own the soundtrack do you know that i own the soundtrack i listen to grin grinning ghosts come out to socialize in my car and i sing along sometimes true story but you didn't know that i, I can't
0: i can't uh i can't uh, say anything negative about that
1: yeah no it's a great song <laughs> so yeah no not a good movie no no entertaining yeah <laughs> So, so, so my my review
0: pretty much summed it up,
1: yeah. Yeah, I'd say so because
0: I, I, I got to the end and I wasn't 100% sure what I watched, but I was 100% sure I had fun, yeah, even though I knew with 100% certainty it was bad,
1: yeah, yeah, agreed. Well, that's it, that's all I've watched. You got anything else? Uh, let's see, movie wise, I've been watching a lot
0: of stuff over again, so uh, the other day most of the other kids were gone. It was just Amelia, Sophia and I. And so, uh, the three of us sat down and watched,
1: uh, a back to back of solo and wreck it. Ralph two. Have we talked about wreck it. Ralph two? Cause I, I haven't seen that. I want to, uh, it's good. I'm, ch- I'm just waiting for Disney plus to get caught up on some of these movies. It's
0: not, uh, it's there's, hmm. I enjoyed wreck it. Ralph one a lot, hitting the same note again while still charming as all get out doesn't quite ring as much. Mm, fair enough. That's that's my short review. You're going to enjoy it. It's fun. But it doesn't feel as fresh as it did.
1: And then he saw Solo again, and he wouldn't stop gushing about it when we were texting.
0: Yeah, let me just go on record as saying to all the fanboys out there that passed judgment on this movie before it came out and basically ruined it for the rest of us so that we don't get any more of them. All of the terrible diseases that cause your butt to itch in terrible, horrible ways. Wow. That's harsh. Yeah, I just want itchy butts all over the place. You just can never satiate it. You just can't satiate it. It's just going to keep itching because you ruined it for the rest of us.
1: You know what, Jonathan? I, I, I think I got to say out loud. I, I, I didn't think that movie was that great. But you didn't pass judgment on it before it came out. No, I watched it.
0: That's fine. If you watch it and you didn't like it, that's okay. That's on you. You know, we all have sins that we must live with.
1: What I'm more pissed about is I would love to have seen a prequel movie that talked about what Obi-Wan was doing on Tatooine for years, because that could have been yeah. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> with with, uh, with what's-his-face reprising the role, because he's the right age now. That would have been fun. But no, we don't get that.
0: Well, we might. We might. Well, Just not in the way that we were going to.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is sad. I'm, I'm glad we're not getting a Boba Fett movie, though. Didn't need it. Yeah, uh, the less said about that character the better. Literally. Yeah, because, that's the only way he works. Yeah. Ig- igmatic, Boba Fett works. The more you find out about Boba Fett, the less interesting it gets. It's like it's like it's like Freddie Krueger. Don't look behind the curtain. Yeah. Is that simple? Yep. 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 Um, but Obi Wan, Obi Wan, yeah, I would know, have I, I was... would have loved to see an Obi Wan movie with 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 older what's his face.
0: That would have been fun. Yeah. I agree. I yeah. agree. I, I just I don't know. I really enjoyed solo.
1: It it, it feels very Star Wars. It's not without its issues. My only problem with the script was it felt like they had a checklist of, like, Obi-Wan things that he said in, in A New Hope. Solo? Yeah. Well, no, no, but there's things he said in A New Hope, and they, I felt like they have a checklist yeah, where I they had to, said like... Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah, whatever. Anyway, but they had to, like, do them all, and it sucked because of that. Like, they had to explain the Kessel Run and meeting Chewie, and... Like just um, and getting the Falcon and just this multitude and they did them all and it was like uh, could you have just like done one or two and then just skipped the rest and you know had a good story in spite of that because the Kessel Run part the Kessel Run part is actually where I I hopped out of the movie and it, it 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 didn't get me back in that 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 was where the movie lost me was right there I I if that sequence hadn't have been there one it wouldn't have changed the narrative at all <laughs> and two. I, I wouldn't have been so like pissed off about the movie that I couldn't have you know, enjoyed the second half of it.
0: I don't know. I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed it just fine. I thought it was fine. And I stand by what I said. Donald Glover channels... Yeah, no, he was great. ...Lando in such a way that is just... And, and that's the thing. I,
1: I, it's, it's the same level of... I don't mind that Lando was there. I mind that we saw him win the, the Falcon from her. I wish, I wish they would have saved that for a later movie or just something else. Because it, you know, they have more of a relationship than just that one interaction. It's painfully obvious by the context of the movie. But no, they had the checklist and they had to just check everything off, and it was like, ah! Uh,
0: Finally, I got a chance to sit down and rewatch Blade Runner twenty forty nine, maybe for the tenth time this year. I'm in love with that movie. I still need to see. I that. cannot get enough of that movie. It's the best sequel I've ever seen. I've seen Aliens, sir. That's a tall order. It's better than Aliens. I'm going to call you... Aliens, look, man. Look, 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 look. Here, look, 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 look. look. Hold on, hold on, hold okay, on. Okay, on. okay, okay. Because I'm, I'm you're, taking you're, off the gloves you're about- and I'm putting them down on the table. Okay. And I'm just cracking my knuckles, right? Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just whack some wisdom down on you. Aliens is a great sequel. Yeah. Make no mistake. Uh-huh. But it is as straightforward a movie as it gets. Right. It's a long-ass chase scene, and it ends with a big old boss fight. It's video game logic, and I'm totally okay with that. Huh? Blade Runner is a sequel that builds off the original, never crosses the line from homage to pandering, and yet somehow manages to cause you to think in such a way that that it deepens your soul. It asks important questions, and it never flinches, and you're still walking away, not a hundred percent sure about some of the characters at the end of the film, because it doesn't explain it to you.
1: My 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 only counter will be uh, Hollywood has a really bad problem of landing that third act lately. So I will I will. Oh, I like this one. All right, I like this one a lot. All right, and 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 at this point, Denis Villeneuve
0: can do no wrong, and his Dune will be a masterpiece. I am. So beyond excited that he's the one doing it.
1: You know, I, I was thinking the other day, uh, like, about Destiny and about all this, like, sci-fi that comes out that has this, like, incomprehensible plot. And I'm like, it all goes back to Dune. <laughs> Dune had a plot like that where it's just – the world is just just weirdness kind of for the sake of it. The spice must flow. I, I, I read. I read the first three Dune novels. I, I get to say that out loud. I mean, I, I – well, I like
0: I like the way Herbert writes, so –
1: i'm not I'm not saying it was bad i like i like destiny too i like destiny's fluff it's silly but yeah dune is kind of just weird and incomprehensible and it's it doesn't make any sense if you put any thought to it but whatever you just sort of roll with it because it's fun because giant sandworms and and spice that mutates people and makes your eyes turn blue like okay why not that's a thing of course it's a thing when i found out that denny
0: Villeneuve was uh directing the upcoming dune movie I listened to the uh, Dune Toto album, I don't know, for three days straight.
1: <laughs> I wish they wouldn't, man. Like I, I like I like the original movie, even though it's it doesn't follow the book so it's all. a flawed it's it's a flawed beast,
0: but damn if I don't get some enjoyment out yeah,
1: of it. Yeah, yeah. No, Esau and like I I, I, I I can't help but just like like squeal and laugh in delight whenever I hear Paul in the beginning of the movie go, I will bend like or no it's at the end of the movie anyway sorry uh i will bend like a reed in the wind i don't know why why that tickles me pink so much but just him him having like this internal monologue where he has to whisper to himself because if he thinks too loud sting will hear him you know
0: (laughs) my favorite is you know who the little girl is that plays the his his sister
1: yeah uh uh that's alicia witt yes yes it is that's right
0: now well, he is the Queen's catrak. He is the Queen's catrak. Yes, when she's just like she's not saying it; she's growling it at the end. Of the-
1: <laughs> like I like that I version of the movie because again, that movie is weird and incomprehensible. And man, that that movie is weird <laughs> and incomprehensible. You know what
0: though? You know what? I will give it this: the opening forty-five seconds of that film, uh, when they uh, have the princess give her short monologue does such a good job of giving you just enough to hang your, the plot on. Oh, yeah. No, it's great. It's great. It's, it's from, from a filmmaking perspective, that's the way you open a big old sci-fi movie that is incomprehensible otherwise. They set up the world. They set up the major players. They set up the politics all in a 45-second monologue. The sci-fi miniseries
1: back in the 90s was really good. Yeah. No, that was excellent.
0: Yeah, it was that fun. Was really, you know who's in that? At uh, What's his name from X-Men? Yeah. James uh, McAvoy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, there were a lot of people in that movie. And they're oh, all. Yeah. No uh,
0: also had uh, what's his name, the Swedish guy. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, what's his name? You're right. No, God, there's a lot. The there's heck? a lot of what's what's their names the, in that movie. No,
0: no, no. The older Swedish actor. He was in Force Awakens. Uh, he also was a, a, the the chief judge in the the Bad Judge Dread movie. Max von Sydow. Max von Sydow. Thank you. Yeah.
1: You know the Swedish guy. Anyway, anyway, my point is, we've already had two decent versions of it. I I don't. I wouldn't mind them doing another mini-series of it because the Sci-Fi Channel one was good, but it was also made really cheap. <laughs> look, they, man, they look, like man, listen to that- my
0: words. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know. Uh, okay, fine. Go watch Go watch uh, Arrival.
1: I've, se- I've seen that.
0: No, but I'm saying back-to-back. You watch Arrival. You watch um, Sicario. And then you watch Blade Runner 2049. And then think in your head about Doom.
1: I, I don't know what an old ass movie with Charlie Sheen in it has anything to do with the other two, but whatever. no, no. Oh my God, do I need to hit you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Can they so even good. put that in the affidavit? Yeah, oh, that was so good. Why did he strike him? Oh, because he was he was talking about the Charlie Sheen movie. That movie is fun. Shut That's up. the arrival. God, that movie's
1: not fun. That movie was. Oh. That movie's it's it's it, no, it's bad. I'm not going to say it's not. But. It's it's shaving your legs with sandpaper bad. Ah oh, man, no, it's fun bad.
0: Oh, I disagree. Whatever. Whatever. No, no tigers blood there. Hashtag winning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I went there. All right, I went there anyway. Okay, let's move on to something else.
0: <laughs> it's clear to me that you can't make that movie without all of the cocaine.
1: Uh, any reading for you? Uh, so uh, Evil Hat had some uh, some financial problems. We talked about it in an old episode, and they had a book that they had like written and had gotten everything together for, but they hadn't like got the art but together, and they realized they didn't have an art budget for it anymore. So they put on Drive Through RPG with just uh, lovely little squares that say art should go here (laughs) everywhere. Um, And they say, you know, if they ever get enough money to put art into it, they'll just get the art and then they'll update the PDF and you can download it with beautiful, pretty art. And if not, then, oh, well, it's there because they already wrote it. So whatever. Uh, I'm talking about the fate space toolkit because I have been, having a thought experiment about how to run a game featuring a space colony and like how to make that happen and i and i'm still fascinated by it so i've been reading a lot of sci-fi rpgs and i bought that to see if it would have anything in it that would help didn't have anything to help me but if you if you want to run fate and you want to run a space game that's it's it's pretty decent it has a decent breakdown of the genre and and how to handle some of the the you know sci-fi bits and and yeah ain't bad and the example settings are cute like it's, it's overall just, it's, it's a, it's a good toolkit book. Although it kind of requires the, the fate, is it the fate toolkit? There's a book called the fate something or other. It's like the toolbox or something. It references that a lot. So yeah, that one's kind of like the required reading, I guess. And then, uh, I, I have been, tr- uh, I have to return it and I can't, <laughs> I can't check it out anymore. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to finish up, uh, the second Veronica Mars book, Veronica Mars, Mr. Kiss and Tell. Uh, I'm about a little over halfway through it at this point. And, uh, yeah, so far so good. This one's weird uh, because, like, Veronica Mars would always have, like, the mystery of the week and then the season-long arc. And the way this book is written, it feels like the season-long arc because, like, between chapters, weird amounts of time pass. You know, like, they'll open up with a chapter. and It's like two weeks later, Veronica was blah. It was like, oh, whoa, hello. (laughs) Okay. We have moved. Like, I think I'm about halfway through that book, and I'm pretty sure at this point at least – four months have passed since the beginning and it's just every chapter just, you know, it skips ahead because you know, she's investigating a case and it kind of goes cold and then she just sort sort of like doesn't drop it, but she puts on the back burner while she's doing other things. And then, you know, next chapter it's like, Oh, I got a new lead. And then we pick up from there. It's weird. So I, I
0: have to ask, do so the novelizations retain the character properly?
1: Yeah. Well, they were at least plotted by Rob Thomas, so it helps. But yeah, yeah, it, it, The only thing I wish they did, and you read this in a lot of reviews and it's correct, is Veronica, because she's a hard broiled, you know, noir character uh, in the show. She has a lot of monologues, you know, narration where she shows up on a scene and kind of says stuff in her head, you know, like, you know how noir people do that, right? It almost feels like the book should have been written like first person from her point of view because it would fit that, you know, that vibe better. But they don't. They're, you know, they're just sort of normal book format. And I, I wish they had sort of gone there and written it much more from her point of view all the time. Because then you could have gotten like that internal monologue stuff a lot better. And that would have been more noir. But other than that, um, yeah, no, it it feels like Veronica Mars. Like I said, the first book kind of felt like a sequel to the movie that didn't happen. And then this one feels like this was going to be the season-long uh, mystery that she solves in like, you know, if if they picked up a TV show because of the movie, which neither of which happens. So there you go. Well, I guess it did happen because they're doing the revival. So, yeah, it's supposedly they're canon. Supposedly they're going to reference both of them in the uh, in in the new season. So we'll see what happens. I, I will uh, I will report when that the new season comes out and, and tell you if that actually occurs, because if it doesn't, uh, don't say that, and not do it. Not, don't follow. Follow through Rob Thomas. Follow through. That's it. You've been well, reading. There you it. go. You've been reading anything? Oh no, not
0: these last couple of weeks. It's just been not a lot of time. Okay. Not a lot of
1: time without children
0: and reading time is it's necessitated to not have children.
1: Okay. Well, uh, before we get started on board games and then our spoiler spoilerific conversation about Game of Thrones, uh, I just want to give a shout out to Monty Cook's customer service. Uh, I backed a Kickstarter ages ago and. The reward that I wanted, I got everything on PDF and then I wanted a uh, a physical uh, map or something, like a map pack, because I thought it would make for fun art. And then I moved <laughs> and they sent me a coupon code for it, but we were about to move. And I'm like, I will just do this after we move. And then I forgot about it. And for whatever reason, I got reminded that I never actually picked that up. So I emailed them and I said, Hey, I know I'm kind of like, what a year and a half late to this party right now, but I moved and I just kind of forgot about it. And here I am. Can I still get this? And they sent me the stuff and it was super easy and it was awesome. So yeah, props to them by, by Monty cook games. They, they take care of you. It was really nice. It was, it was very pleasant. Like I only emailed them like once. And then the, uh, I, I think her name's Jennifer, whoever, whoever was on the other end. She, uh, it, she handled it like completely. And, uh, I, It seemed like it was a personalized message and not a form letter, which was super cool. It was just a little note like, oh, yeah, here you are. And, you know, it was very conversational and it was it was just very pleasant.
0: I, too, had a uh, a pleasant experience with his customer service. Yeah. I ordered the Invisible Sun uh, black box. Yeah. And uh, I paid off my pledge late because I missed an email. I just didn't even realize I had it. And when they started shipping it, I did not get any kind of shipping notice or anything because I was late. And when I went and uh, finally brought it up, about two, three weeks after everybody had gotten their, their rewards, they said, oh, we've got one set aside for you. All you have to do is go to the website and do this, and you're good to go. And they they showed me where the coupon code was, and it was simple as can be. They were fast and pleasant, and they had held one for me. Yeah. So well done. Monty Cook. Look at that. All right. Well, let's talk about some board games.
1: Any board games? Yes. But we'll talk about it later.
0: Ah, that one. Yes. Yes. I, too, have that one on my list, and we are talking about uh, photosynthesis, which we will be deep-diving shortly. hmm But I actually had the chance to play a couple other games, uh, which is odd and strange. I actually had an evening as an adult. Wow. I know. Everybody was gone. Jessica was uh, working one night. She had Amelia with her because she needed to be fed, and all four of the other kids were with their other parent. Well, look at you. And so I found myself at home, alone... Which was weird. (laughs) But I had a buddy come over and we had a chance to sit down and we played a bunch of Shadowrun Crossfire. Oh, fun. Uh, Which is a deck builder uh, set in the Shadowrun world. Um, Kind of uh, scratched my cyberpunk itch that I've been having lately. And uh, yeah, it's a fun deck builder, but man, it's brutal hard. (laughs) Well, it's Shadowrun. No, I mean like brutal hard. Yeah, that would we be did shadow five run. five runs and it wasn't until the fifth run that we managed to, to figure out the puzzle of, of beating the first uh scenario. Yeah, there you go. But we did it. We did it. Um, but it's a fun, it's a fun little deck building game. I, you know, it's, it's got a, a legacy aspect. And if you look at the, the date on this, this, this predates the legacy games by a bit, it comes with a bunch of stickers and these stickers have, uh, basically, new rules that you can apply to your character, like a larger hand size or more health or more uh, money at the start of a round, etc.
1: Oh yeah. I heard about that. But they had like a sticker pack. I-, I didn't know what that meant. Okay. Every time, every time you make a run through the
0: game, you, you get a, you know, even if you, you fail, but you manage to abort, you still get a, a point. And the reward started about five points. And basically they stay with that character and become a part of that character so that as you progress into the other scenarios, it uh it sticks with you and you're kind of growing the character, which is very RPG, which I really appreciate. It's a neat idea.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and a lot of people were very excited because they made the, the Dragonfire game, which is uh built on the same engine. And people are like, Oh, it would fit perfectly for DD.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm very curious to play the Dragonfire game now, because I really like the engine. It's it's neat. Just when you walk into it just know that it, this this thing is going to pu- punch you up. It's 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 not easy. Nice. Uh, played a bunch of Terraforming Mars digital one uh, one evening. Nice. Like three or four games in a row. Uh forgot how much I enjoyed Terraforming Mars. Yeah, it's a good and game. the digital version's kind of nice cuz I don't have to clean anything up. <laughs> uh, and then the the kids and I sat down one night and we played a couple rounds of King of Tokyo. A classic.
1: Oh, okay, the original one, not not King of New Yeah, York. the
0: original one. No, not King of New York, which, which we've played as well. But we were playing with the younger, so we wanted to uh, keep it a little more simple.
1: Yeah, I keep forgetting which one's which. I, I, I almost pulled the trigger and bought one because I'm like, oh, I, I found King of Tokyo really cheap. And then I realized, wait a minute, I have this already. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it uh, for board games for me. So I think we're at the point, Jonathan. So uh, a while ago we said we would have a spoilerific discussion about uh, how we felt about the end of Game of Thrones. Indeed, indeed. And and here we are. It's it, the time is now. So if you don't want to hear super duper spoilers for the end of the Game of Thrones, skip ahead until you hear music, because <laughs> that'll be us transitioning to a new segment. Is that enough warning?
0: I think so. I think that's fair. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I watched the end of Game of Thrones. I wasn't terribly shocked about how it ended. Like like everything that happened seemed to be right. It was just uh, just really rushed, right? It was really rushed. Right? Okay,
0: that's what I said. Everybody was complaining about the the characters. No, they didn't do this. Oh, they didn't do that. Yeah, you know why? Because they did what they would do, not what you wanted.
1: Right. Well, okay, so the problem is, like, everybody has a problem with what happened with Daenerys. They telegraphed
0: that move for weeks. Yeah. And months. Months. What am I saying? Seasons. They telegraphed it for seasons. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget she crucified a bunch of people and put them up on sticks to try and make a point when
1: when liberating those slaves in that one city. That's not normal behavior. the The problem, the problem is, uh, they didn't do a good job of showing that because um, uh, 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 Tyrion said it out loud, which was, she kills people and people tell her she did the right thing. And, you know, and before that, we just saw her killing the bad people, you know, people that are obviously scumbags. And the only time where she started skirting that line was when she killed uh, uh, Jon Snow's uh, bookie buddy. I forget his name. Um, his brother and father. When he when she torches them because they won't bend the knee to her. Yeah. That was when she started, like, crossing the line. But they, they needed – they just needed more time to show more of that, you know, more of her, you know – just kind of like kind of skirting this line and people saying oh you did the right thing when you murdered a bunch of people and her just getting the idea in the head that every time she murders somebody she's doing the right thing so
0: i feel like they crammed three seasons into one season that's that's the problem
1: i feel like the last two seasons really needed to be full seasons and not like because typically it's like what ten ten 10 episodes and last season was like eight and, I, and this one was six right I, I was like fine. That?
0: I was fine with the, the 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 last season. It's just this one. I feel like season seven should have been the the war against the uh, against the walkers, and and they should have drugged that out and and explained it a bit more because it feels so cheap the way it ends. And it's not because of the ending; it's because of the the quickness of it. It's like, oh shit, we only got uh, two episodes left. We got to hustle, 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 go.
1: Yeah, well, and and the problem was we talked about it, you know, last time. Like they move around the map way too fast in in. Well, that's the later always seasons. been a problem. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, a yeah, but it, it's dumb. Like they no, moved. Agreed, agreed. And and they they just yeah they do, they need more time for everything. So you know, you, you do you do
0: season uh, or season eight is the the war against the walkers. Then season nine is you know recovering and starting the fight against uh, Cersei. And then you do a shortened season 10 where it's just the battle and then a much longer ending than, what, 15 minutes? I feel like it was a 15-minute ending. You can't wrap up eight years of television in 15 minutes. You got to, you know, you got to give it room to breathe.
1: I didn't really disagree. I, like, people disagreed about what happened with Jamie. I'm like, no, because I, I, when I was watching, I certainly got the impression that Jamie knew his sister was just going to die. And and he's like, you know what? I, I don't want her to die without me. So I'm going to go back. No, of course not. She's feel. his obsession. It makes perfect yeah. sense that he goes back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get it. Like, you know, and some people are like, well, he we spent all these seasons learning that she's a terrible person. And it's like, yeah. And sh- and he, he, but he, Game he of understood Jones that
0: it's all about obsession. That's always been the main character from season one.
1: Right. Well, and him just Robert Baratheon powered by obsession. But 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 my point is this, like he it was really clear to me that he just understood she wasn't going to survive. Like, like they, they were just going to murder her at some point. Oh yeah. No, there was no way out. Yeah. And, and he's like, you know what? I would uh, push or whatever, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'd rather die with her. You know, I don't want to be in a world without her for, you know, whatever. I, I, you know, he, he left and he wasn't happy. He thought he'd be happy. He wasn't happy. He went back. But again, they just didn't no, have time to explain it. because she's his kryptonite.
0: She's his kryptonite.
1: Right. But they didn't, they didn't explain it well. And, and that's the problem. Everything was like, they just didn't explain it well. Well, it's because they didn't have time to Well, they chose not to have time to, and again, it goes back to that whole plotters and pantsers thing, because yeah, the the plotters just had, you know, a map to follow. And so they're like, oh, we don't need so many episodes to follow this map. We don't know how to fill that time. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's why, you know, you need somebody there to write more fluff and just explain things better. Cause yeah, those guys, those guys are not good writers. Like, I'm sorry. They're just not, they were really good when they were following the books because they had a lot of like stuff to draw out and and you know show but when they didn't have any of that they they needed to hire somebody who could and they just uh,
0: ultimately didn't. for me the the character arcs work superbly and everybody ended exactly where they needed to and that made perfect perfect sense
1: you know i gotta i gotta say though i feel a lot better about it after i watched that one video where buss in with uh, everybody wants to rule the world <laughs> i should <yeah>, that, <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, great pretty funny yeah, that was pretty funny. And then it had the little, yeah, it was just like, oh, you know, I kind of feel better about this ending. Now, they just gave us a little bit more to hang our hat on. Okay. I, I'm, I'm seriously, like, after watching that, I'm like, okay with all of that being headcanon. Like, I'm like, yeah, that seems right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of our spoilerific discussion. We'd love to hear your views on everything if you have not tuned us out uh, because you needed no spoilers. And that brings us to the end of this segment. So we are gonna take a quick break, and when we return, it will be time for our Wisdom of Crowds segment. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by hitting us up at one of the following.
1: You can join us on Patreon where we post bonus content. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitter. Find us at forgot my dice. You can join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com/slash group slash FMD Podcast.
0: If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play.
1: Lastly, for those of you seeking experiences beyond our concepts of pleasure and pain, set the Lamont configuration to full hell mode. Oddly, you can find us in several levels of the labyrinth as the only thing playing on the radio. Wait, what? I have such sights to show you, Jonathan.
0: Oh, I need to take your Netflix account away from you. And welcome back. It is now, of course, time for our Wisdom of Crowd segment. This is, of course, the segment where we talk about all the news that's making the headlines in the board gaming and RPG world. So, Robert, I'm going to kick us off with one close to your heart, buddy. All right. This one's from all of me to all of you. Cities Skylines, the board game, is coming out from Cosmos.
1: You know, I saw this uh, pop up a while ago. Yeah, I'm curious. Like, how do you how do you make a board game out of building, you know, a sim game where you're trying to balance a budget?
0: Well, you're going to find out very soon. It's a one-to-four-player cooperative game, which I really like. So you're basically creating a thriving city, but at the same time you have to keep in mind pollution, traffic, and crime, which are all things that are straight out of the game. Yep. And it's set to come out this October from Cosmos.
1: Ooh, that sounds like you might be able to buy it at uh, Gen Con, maybe.
0: Wouldn't surprise me if I saw a copy there. I'm gonna go by the Cosmos booth and take a little Pixies. There you go. And keeping it topical to Robert's life, we've got another uh, a new card game coming out from Bandai, Godzilla the Card Game.
1: Oh yeah, I saw that too. Is this this, this is all in one box, right? This isn't collectible. I'm, I'm gonna I'm
0: gonna quote this from the press release: Various monsters from the Godzilla franchise are ready to throw down in a new expandable card game from Bandai. Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, King Ghidorah, Mecha Mechagodzilla, Space Godzilla, Jet Jaguar, and Burning Godzilla are featured in the trailer.
1: (laughs) They put in Jet Jaguar.
0: (laughs) It's from the co-designer of Epic PVP and Axis Allies and Zombies, so it's got some pedigree here, man.
1: They put in Jet Jaguar.
0: (laughs) I kind of love him for that. I'm not going to lie. instead of traditional turn-based play this in this system players share a power resource track moving the token back and forth based on the power value of the cards they play that's kind of neat uh crystal crystal clans has a mechanic like that that i really like i'm a big fan of that yeah interesting because you can you can play whatever you want but the, the, the problem is that if you play something super powerful you're giving your enemy a whole bunch of resource hmm i wonder which version of
1: mechagodzilla it is Cause there's well, been three take a look at
0: the press release and find out coming out in September 19. I have a good feeling. I'll see this sucker. At Gen Con.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Shocker. Shocker. No way. I'm, I might have to buy this. I might have to buy yeah, this. side on not see. It. Yeah. Ditto. They got jet Jaguar. I mean, come on <laughs> this. If he makes the goofy pose where the one hands up and the other hand's like kind of half dabbing, it'd be great.
0: <laughs>
1: there you go. There you go. What else you got on your plate? This one I thought was interesting. Warlord Games, makers of Bolt Action and Beyond the Gates of Antares, which is made up by uh, some Games Workshop alums. They have teamed up with Mythicos uh, Studios, which is a store in New Jersey. And they are going to start opening up Warlord slash Mythicos branded stores. Uh, First things first, they're going to rebrand the original location in New Jersey. And then they're going to open up a second location in New York. And then plans are to, you know, hit up the East Coast and hopefully come out our way because that would be nice. Um, but yeah, basically Warlord Warlord is making Warlord game stores, which is interesting. Hey,
0: you know what? If you had told me a couple years ago that uh, War Machine would have made the return that it has made in the last five years and that new stores would be opening and staying open because there's enough traffic to be in them. I would have not believed you, but you know what? Miniatures wargaming has completely come back in a major
1: way. I know it's weird, huh? Uh,
0: it, you know it's a little weird, but I'm happy. I'm happy because it's 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 such a fun thing.
1: Well, there you go. Coming soon, hopefully. And and uh, we have a few East Coast listeners, so if if anybody's in New Jersey, tell us how this is. I'm I'm, I'm curious about the myth- Mythios. M y t h i c o s mythos mythicos. I don't know.
0: Well, you know me long enough to know I'm a big Robotech fan, right? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Got a copy of the uh, 1980s Robotech RPG sitting right over there. Right over there, I've got uh, Robotech Ace Pilot. And behind me, Robotech Attack on the SDF 1. Well, guess what? Hmm. The developers of Robotech Force of Arms and the expansion, Grand Cannon, uh, Solar Flare Games have announced that they have an expansion coming out Robotech Crisis Point. So Robotech Crisis Point is another head-to-head two-player game that's set in the Robotech universe. Uh, This is on the heels of um, Robotech Force of Arms. And they're also offering, if you order through the website, a free expansion to Force of Arms, the Grand Cannon. I don't
1: know why that's so amusing.
0: So, yeah, that is actually being released later this month.
1: There's a YouTube channel called Toy Galaxy, and they had a very, very lengthy explanation of the Robotech series, which is kind of fun. You watched that documentary, The The Toys That Made Us, right? And you, you liked it? Yeah, no, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. So Toy Galaxy is, uh, I think he owns a shop where he wheels and deals and, you know, old action figures. But they do a YouTube channel where they talk about old toy lines and kind of give you a, you know, a, a abridged history of of how they got started and who made them and stuff but it's it's like reliving my youth because there's a whole bunch of these old shows i forgot about and they they talk about you know the history of the show and the toy line and you know things like dino and uh the bionic six and (laughs) all that good stuff
0: bionic bionic six
1: i love that show. yeah yeah that show was so good I forgot that that was actually supposed to be Steve Austin and, and uh, the Bionic yep. Woman. like The Bionic Woman, yeah. I'll send you a link to that. I guess it's now going to be in the show notes somewhere, too. Toy Galaxy.
0: Now, I think we've talked about it on the show a couple of times, but uh, Endeavor Age of Sail recently had a reprint, uh, which uh, it's been very hard to find for quite some time. Well, now uh, there's a new expansion coming for Endeavor, and I believe it's going to Kickstarter. And it's called Endeavor Age of Expansion. So what do you do in this expansion? 35 new buildings, 7 decks of cards, uh, and just a bunch of new ways that you get towards victory. Uh, The new buildings include trading, fortifying, conscription, mobilization. So it's just a lot more flexibility within the game engine. And if you haven't been able to get a copy of Endeavor Age of Sale, the nice thing is the Kickstarter is going to give you an opportunity to uh, get in on that as well. So there you go. Endeavor, Age of Expansion.
1: All right. So the, uh, we talked about it a couple episodes ago, but the D&D Essentials Kit has uh, started. I don't know if it's in the wild or if it started hitting the press or I'm not sure what. But people have been talking about it and it's been interesting enough. I thought we'd bring it up again. So what is the D&D Essentials Kit? It is basically a new starter set. But instead of coming with pre-made characters, it comes with enough rules that you can create your own characters. But here's the thing, and this is what I, I dug about it. People who have been reading it say it is not designed to replace the d and starter set because that is not going away. It's sort of designed to exist with it and alongside it. So uh, basically the starter set adventure takes place in a town called Phandolin. And the Essentials has another adventure set in Fandolin, And so if you want to mash the two adventures and have them kind of happen simultaneously or whatever, you can totally do that. Apparently they can interweave with each other and it works. And I'm like, oh, okay. I haven't read it, so don't quote me on that. This is just what a reviewer said, but I thought that was interesting. They give you rules to create a human, elf, dwarf, or halfling, either fighter, rogue, wizard, or cleric, and bard, of all things, <laughs> as a fifth class. But I thought that was kind of cool. And uh, it it contains rules just in case you can't get a group together for a one-on-one, one uh, one GM, one player experience by using sidekick rules where you can basically have a hireling who's a, you know, you could hire like a, a fighter or something to come help you out. But they're, you know, kind of a more stripped down version of the character. So it's not as cumbersome to have like two characters simultaneously. And they also say that if you have somebody playing who just mechanically D intimidates them just use the sidekick rules and have them play the sidekick and use the less you know cumbersome rule set for that dice wise instead of coming with one of everything it comes with 2d20s so you can roll advantage and 2d10s so you can roll that d100 and uh yeah you know it just it it's interesting you know it it I like the idea that it, it, it's this product designed to exist with the starter set instead of replacing it or being a different one. It's just sort of an alternate take on it, and you can mash the two together if you feel the urge. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, if anybody out there wants to start D&D, seems like a, a good way to get going, especially if you don't have a huge party. They have rules for just, you know, one-on-one, which is
0: kind of rad. That is a great, a great product. I'm such a big fan of starter sets like that.
1: Well and and oh oh I I've also uh, a lot of the reviewers have mentioned that the screen that comes with it is actually pretty good which makes sense because you know the game god fifth edition is like what five years old at this point like we're we're at the point where people you know actually know what they need to have on the screen <laughs> you know instead of like guessing about how the game might be played you know people definitely know how the game is being played now so yeah and I, I think that's kind of what this essentials thing is. It's, it's like an expansion pack for the starter set, maybe, to give people a better experience or something. So, yeah, no, I dig it. I, I, I real dig it. I real dig it. I really dig it. Real dig <laughs> it. <laughs> All right, finishes out, Jonathan. Wow me. Impress me. Make me, make me do a spit take with my, my now room temperature coffee. Well,
0: uh, we have a bunch of news coming out of Blue Orange. Four new releases coming in August. That's a lot. Yeah, they've been busy. We're getting King Domino Duel. It's a new roll and write for two players based on King Domino. And um, just kind of glancing over the the art and the score sheet, it looks super fun. Like I I like a good two-player roll and write. It's it's fun. They're also releasing a game called Detective Club. Detective Club. A social deduction game for four to eight players. And apparently it's like if... um, I've heard it described as if Spyfall and Dixit had a baby. They've got another game for two to five players coming out. It's an auction game called Poppy Winchester. (laughs) And the board, the board is a map of Pappy's land, and it's divided into a bunch of parcels that have to get auctioned off. And then the money from the auction bids are, is evenly distributed to the other players. And then extra money is earned based on public and secret objective cards. Hmm. And then finally, they're releasing a brain teaser game for two to four players called Dragon Market. You're going to be collecting goods from boats in preparation for a royal wedding. So there you go, Blue Orange Games, getting busy.
1: Yeah, I'd say.
0: All right, Robert, well, that brings us to the end of the news, which means it's time for our Year in the Life segment. What were we doing one year ago?
1: Forgot My Dice, episode 43, Retroactive Existential Weed. We were talking about the Diana Jones Award nominations. If you remember the laundry list of last year, uh, up was actual play, which was the winner. Uh, the 200 word RPG challenge, Analog Game Studios, Harlem Unbound, and Charterstone.
0: Man, Harlem Unbound is still such a cool game.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for the second edition because they announced that, and I'm like, oh, well, that settles that. <laughs> I will just wait for the new one. <laughs> Man, all those things we we uh, we researched. All of them, I guess, except for actual play, because that was kind of self-explanatory.
0: Yeah, yeah, I felt like that didn't need any research, because we've we've uh, participated once or 17,000 times.
1: Yes, true that, true that. Um, but yeah, no, the 200 Word RPG Challenge, that I, that was an interesting find. Um, and it, yeah, no, all Analog, oh yeah, Analog Game Studios, they're the guys who write the really, really, really detailed breakdowns of sociological theory applied to game, or yeah, applied to nerds, basically. <laughs> it was really <laughs> reading.
0: good stuff. And now here we are on the cusp of more Diana Jones.
1: I know maybe, maybe even next, uh, next episode. Cause they, they are about due to release the nomination. Yeah. We should year. be seeing that real soon. that will be fun. I wouldn't mind going through that again. That was a, an interesting exploration last year. I love the Diana Jones award. It, it's so weird. <laughs> it's got such a great
0: history, you know, like even in the name, it's just such a great history.
1: Yeah. And, and just they they cover, all just random stuff that you know you get exposed to things which is fun all right well that brings us to the
0: end of this segment we're going to take a quick break and when we return it will be time for our deep dive and today we'll be deep diving photosynthesis
1: do you have a tabletop board game miniature game or rpg that you're going to release for retail Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to
0: interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back. It is now time for our deep dive. And on tonight's episode, we are going to be deep diving photosynthesis, a game all about growing
1: some trees. The sun shines brightly on the canopy of the forest and the trees use this wonderful energy to grow and develop their beautiful foliage. Their Maybe their happy little foliage. This is a very Bob Ross game, isn't it? Totally is. It's like very chill. Yeah. anyway. <laughs> Sow your crops wisely, and the shadows of your growing trees could slow your opponents down. But don't forget, the sun revolves around the forest. Welcome to the world of Photosynthesis, the green strategy board game. All right. Well, Photosynthesis is an interesting game,
0: because if you had ever sat down and said, Hey, Jonathan, one day you're going to really enjoy a game about uh, growing trees in a forest, I probably would have (laughs) laughed. Agreed. But you know what? I've got this game where I'm growing trees in a forest, and dang if it's not just engaging as I'll get out.
1: Yeah, weirdly so. Weirdly so. Alright, well let's break it down, Robert. You have the rule book. I don't have it anymore, so you explain it.
0: <laughs> Alright, well basically I mean it's not even a rule book, it's like a rule pamphlet, because there's really not a whole lot to to the game in terms of action. That's not where this game gets its teeth. It gets its teeth in the um in the strategies that present themselves by by what you do with these basic actions. In photosynthesis, you've got a uh, board. And that board is basically going to eventually grow into a forest. And you've got a couple different phases that you're going to be playing with. So in phase one, it's the photosynthesis phase. And this is where uh, the sun basically rotates around the forest. And the forest is in the shape of a hexagon. uh, And the the sunlight basically looks like a giant Pac-Man. And it moves around this hexagon, stopping at a different section every round, and that sunshine bathes on the trees and creates, basically creates the money for the game, which is, in this case, light points. Uh, and the light points are, of course, made by the sunshine hitting the trees and being photosynthesized into a currency that you can spend in the game. Now, what's interesting is the trees will begin to grow as the game goes on, and as they grow and get taller and taller... Sometimes they will cast a shadow on the spaces behind them, and any tree that's stuck in that shadow will not make you money. If if they're smaller. If they're smaller, exactly. Yeah. And if they're taller, they can peek up and catch the sun no matter how, what's in front of
1: it. Yep, yep, yep. Or I should say it's 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 if they're the same size or smaller. So two medium-sized trees, one will block the other. But like if you have a big tree behind a small tree, it won't.
0: A small tree gets you one light point. A medium tree gets you two light points and a large tree scores you a whopping three light points. And you do not get points for seedlings, which are these little tokens that you can put out to to grow new trees in the forest. Because the next phase of the game, the life cycle phase, is where you spend your points to basically either buy new saplings or grow your trees from stage one to stage two and then stage two to stage three.
1: And, yeah, it's really cute when you, uh, when you buy a seed and you want to put it on the board. The seed actually has to come out of a tree. And so the bigger the tree, the further they can, like, eat that seed, you know? Because the, the big trees have a lot of, like, you know, they're high up, so the, the, I guess the seeds can drift. <laughs> but it, it's it's very clever because um, also uh, a tree can only do one thing a turn, so uh, not counting light points, light points are in a second phase. So if you want to make a tree bigger, it can't also drop a seed. A different tree has to do that. And so once a tree is done a thing, it is sort of spent. And so the action economy of the game is basically based around how many trees you actually have on the board. And, it, you know, if one grows bigger, then it can't drop a seed. So you got to like, you know, kind of plan your turn and where you want to drop stuff to grow in the future and all that. It's, it's really very clever. I mean, everybody
0: has the same finite economy that they have to work within, and it is possible that you will put a seedling out and then um, uh, basically have to sacrifice it to to make another action happen, which puts you in a lower position the rest of the game because you don't want to burn out your seedlings.
1: Yeah, because you you have a a tableau sort of in front of you, and it has – I forget how many seeds. I want to say four. Am I right? Uh, Let me see here. I think it's four. I think you're right. Yeah, and then it has. Uh, there's two large trees, and I think there's three medium trees, and then four stage one small trees. And uh, there's, yeah, there's um, you get
0: two two small trees and a medium tree to start. Well,
1: with. I'm not talking about that yet. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But what's on the tableau? It's two bigs, three mediums, and four smalls, right? I want to say it filters up. Like uh, yes. Yes. Okay. And so. What's interesting about that is you sort of have an area of stuff that you have already bought, which you start the game with small, uh, two small trees and one medium tree and like a couple seeds, and then you have this tableau. But here's the thing. If you put a seed out on the field and then you grow it, that seed has to go back into your tableau, and if there's no room for that, it gets removed from the game, and that goes for everything. So if you can't take it back, you know, if you don't have stuff that you've already bought and kind of have in your waiting to get used pile of stuff you can put yourself at a disadvantage because you can literally remove a component of yours from the game and that reduces your options as the game wears on. It's, it's you know, there's, there's a lot of push-pull because you can't always do exactly everything you want because sometimes, you know, you, you need to get that tree back, so you need to make room on your board and so you, you're kind of forced to, you know, put something in your buy pile that you wouldn't, maybe you have absolutely no intention of using, but you just don't want to give up that resource for later in the game. It's, it's, it's kind of cool in that regard. Ultimately, what you're trying to do is get your trees to
0: level three, because once they're level three, you can take an action to collect that tree uh, during this phase. And what you do is you basically pay four light points, and then you remove the large tree from the board, and that's how you get a scoring token.
1: And there's basically, it's a hexagon, and there's sort of four layers to the hexagon. So the outer rim uh, is sort of the, the I don't want to say the cheap pile, but the there aren't as many points in that pile. And then there's the second rung. It's kind of like a tree. I just thought of that (laughs) because it's got the rings. Yeah. yeah. Um, So the second ring, uh, those generally worth more points. And there's a third ring. And then in the very center, there's one single solitary four point or, you know, whatever. And that those are worth the most points. But, you know, again, it's this push pull because getting in there, you're potentially blocked by a lot more stuff. So if you manage to grow it out, you're doing good. And then there's also that weird mechanic of, you know, the big trees get you a lot of points. So you have a lot of resources to do stuff, but then if you cash them out, they're gone. And suddenly you're not earning as much money. And so like, it's not even just a game of, you know, arranging your stuff. So you're, you're getting the maximum sunlight and kind of like shanking your neighbor by casting the right shadows. It's also, when do I cash out so I can, you know, advance the game and get the points because it's important you know, if you don't get any points, well, you yeah, lose
0: because you only get three revolutions of the board by the sun to to finish out your which your is game.
1: A, which is essentially eighteen turns because there's six spaces on the hexagon. So once it goes around eighteen times, you're you're done. And it, it goes a lot faster than you'd think. It, like eighteen rounds sounds like a ton, but oh man, it goes so quick! It goes it so, goes quick. so yeah, quick. Yeah, once you, once we figured out what we were doing, we were doing a full revolution in like you know five ten minutes. So I lucked out. I actually did not read the rule book. I made Gina do it. <laughs> I made her watch a video and then read the rule book. So I got taught the game. So how's the rule book, Jonathan?
0: The rule book is as straightforward as it gets. Again, not a com- not a complex game to learn. The complexity is all in the the strategy on the board.
1: Yeah, and I, you you could do the standard gripes of like it doesn't have an index and does but it's like literally. I, I I don't even think it opens. <laughs> does it like is it? I remember it no, made it opens, like a page. It it's it's a single sheet of paper yeah
0: and then it's folded in half so there's essentially four pages
1: yeah but it it it, it, but there's a lot of art on those pages yeah yeah it's there's it's nothing like i it's like make them use a staple to put in an index at this point because it's just all right there it's so weird like yeah and i don't remember us ever having to go back and look like the the basic mechanics are very straightforward and also your tableau has all the symbolism on it for you so you know it's like to to, to buy a seed it costs this many light points to go from the seed to the thing it's this many and they they, it's very very clearly laid out so far i've only knowingly played two blue orange games but both of them have impressed me because both vikings on board and this game look amazing they have a lot of like three-dimensionality to them which is really really nice and this game it uses that third dimension like as a game mechanic. So it's not even as a
0: gameplay element. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's not even gimmicky, you know, it's, it, it just, it, it, it's functional. It's it, the tall trees are there because they're the tall trees, you know?
0: And to me, that's, that's one of the neatest things about this game. Cause there's plenty of games out there that have three dimensionality now, you know, um, game companies have gotten so good at doing precision cuts with the punch boards that you can make some pretty, you know, 3d punch board material. But, Here's the thing. Most of the time, it's just a looker. And as much as I love Vikings on board, if that was done with flat um, flat tokens, it still works, right? Because it doesn't affect the game. No, that's, but that's true. This, not just from a thematic standpoint, but from a, a gameplay standpoint, the three, dimension ma- three dimensionality matters because it, it, you're, you're essentially blocking light from another player, which blocks their ability to make money. And that's awesome.
1: It seems like it's hard to process um, the whole like the light is shining in this direction. Is it casting shadows? But like one of the things you can straight up do is just get a flashlight out and put it on the table where the sun's coming in, and it like you see it. It's bizarre.
0: Yeah, and and there's straight lanes. Yeah, and the lanes are are, are clearly marked, and and always yeah. you know how many spaces that you can go.
1: But yeah, yeah, it, that's what's neat about it. That's why the components of this are are really. Really interesting because the trees the size of the trees actually matters for the gameplay and so them being there as like a visual cue of this tree is big it's gonna cast a long shadow and potentially cover up a lot of stuff it's like really handy like you need that it'd be really hard to process without it you know yeah yeah
0: so so one thing we haven't talked about is that the the game is made up of a bunch of uh, punch board trees that you then put together and they're they they form your your forest, and there's enough trees for four players, so there's just quite a few trees in the game.
1: Yes, there are. You know, and it's just, yeah, and the trees look great. Like, um, they're all different colors. Like, uh, there's, you know, there's the dark green, the light green. There's kind of a bluish one, and then I played sort of the autumn forest trees because I, I liked them. They're kind of orangeish red And, they yeah, it's just blue-orange. I, I don't know if this is their thing because I, I haven't played any of their other games, but both Vikings on board and this, like, the, the art assets of the trees and whatnot – you know, they're, they're solid. They're, you know, I mean, they're cardboard, but they're, you know, they're solid and they look nice, you know, and, and it just makes the game really look nice. And I, I I'd kind of disagree about Vikings on board because like the, the ship part of it is kind of what sells it, I guess. I don't know. But like, yeah, just, just the physicality of the game. Like they, oh, yeah. they put like, a lot of thought no into mistake.
0: it. Make no mistake. It's, it's, it's part of the theme and it's part of uh the, the, the feeling that it makes up, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's the, true. The, the ships being three dimensional don't have a gameplay element. That's true. That's true.
1: But yeah, no, the 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 game itself just looks really nice. Like, I can't I can't express to you how cool it is. I'd love to see somebody make a graphic of this, of like the game over time and the forest like swelling and growing and falling. Like, it it just it would look really cool if you just you know took like a you know like a matrix style like thing of the of the forest just going as you play the game. It would look really neat. <laughs> But that, and that's the that's a cool thing, too, because like as the forest grows and swells, like you see it on the board. It just it's just neat. Like it looks neat as it's going on. I mean, that's what I like about the components. Like the game looks neat, you know, and there's a lot of games that look neat. Don't get me wrong. But like the looking neat is 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 folded into the core gameplay in a really fascinating way, which makes the game really interesting in that regard. Well, and that's
0: that's one of the coolest things about the the, the game is there's not a single component and not a single piece of art that isn't that, – that, that is fluff. Everything is meant to evoke a very specific theme and support the gameplay.
1: All right. Well, we're at this point now. Uh, is there anything off for you in the execution of photosynthesis?
0: No way. I think it's a looker. It, it, it's gorgeous. Uh, everything that's in the box is there for a reason. It, it, it just all comes together so perfectly. It's such a great package
1: yeah Gina uh, she had like one complaint about it she we were talking about you know games of this ilk and she was comparing it to, to viticulture and she said she liked viticulture a little bit better because there were several different like gameplay strategies you could do and this one there's only the one but I, I don't know I was ta- I, I was thinking about it later and I was thinking it's kind of not fair because if you play with people who are more because we were learning the game as we were playing at the, the times we were doing it if we'd played more games like where we really solidly had a foundation down, uh, the strategy involved, I think would get really intense. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah, there's just so much going on with placement. I mean, I I guess if that's not your thing, because like, because there is three dimensionality to it, like I've heard people kind of complain about uh, potion explosion for the same reasons, because you have to like be looking at combos and it's, it's kind of like a different, it's not like so much of a board game is like uh, almost a video game. And this kind of has the same thing. Like the, the three dimensionality of it is important, and so if if you have a hard time like thinking that way, I don't think this is going to be a great game for you because you really need to be able to think that way. You know?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And that's the thing too. I could see this really easily as like a video game. You know, maybe l- cool to look at. Oh, too. this
0: would this would translate over to digital quite nicely. Yeah,
1: yeah. But yeah, just just the the ebb and flow of everything is just is is really interesting. So. But yeah, that's what I would say. If you're not if you're not good at three dimensional thinking, you know, if that's not kind of your your bag for playing a a board game, I I could see this not flying well with you. But other than that, like it, the the strategy involved, it's 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 almost like chess, or it's so weird, you know. There's a lot of like tactiles or tactical stuff going on. It's 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 quite impressive for such a very simplistic package. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Okay, so I've only played this game with three players, Jonathan. What what player counts have you done it at? I've only ever played with four. Oh, well, three was fine. I haven't played with two because it says it can handle two. So, how? Uh, tell me about four. Does it still work good? You know, I I got to be honest with you. I don't ever see this this game
0: not working with a player count. Um, what I like about four players is that uh, you're dealing you're dealing with kind of a constrained forest because there's a lot of people uh fighting each other for the for the land. Mm-hmm. So it makes the decisions have a little bit more weight. I can see that. And that's that's what I really like about four players. Cuz if you got two players, you've got a lot less um land restriction. So everybody's going to get a chance to really grow some big trees. Uh so the the kind of aim is a little bit different cuz everybody's going to be swimming in money at different parts of the game. The question is how do you cut the other person off to try and and maximize your yours.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, do you, is there any last thing you'd like to say about the game that comes to mind? You know, honestly, uh, when I when I first heard about this game, I
0: kind of shrugged it off, and I really regret having shugged, shrugged it off because uh, this game is lovely. It, it's it's a beautiful closed economy where every action has a, an important weight to it. It's got three dimensionality that is actually part of the gameplay, and it is perfectly balanced and every action has you know impact which is really neat like there's there's never a moment where you're feeling like you're wasting an action everything has meaning
1: yeah and uh, j- just the opposite there's so many turns where you just wish you had just a few more light points i guess or whatever they're called but yeah
0: no that's that's the coolest thing
1: yeah yeah you you never that's the one thing I liked. Like you never feel on top of anything because you know, eventually you get that turn where you just have your giant trees everywhere and you're like swimming in light points. You're like, I could do anything. And then that's the point it dawns on you. It's like, I got to cash some of this out so I can like, you know, score points to win. (laughs) And you're just like, Oh, and it's like, how long do you hold on to the big trees? Because you know, you you can set up quite a few turns if you have them, but if you hold on too long, you're not going to be making money. And it's just like, ah, like the, ah, I love that. Like the, the decision-making process, it gets so tortured and you have to like think about it really hard. I, I, I love that. Yeah. For, for a
0: game that's so simple from a rules perspective, there sure is a lot of brain burning going on. Yeah. Tell me about it. Tell
1: me about it. Uh, so that's photosynthesis by blue orange games. And it's, uh, I, I'm seeing it everywhere. Like every game store I've been to lately has had it. So it should not be hard to find. So if it,
0: it sounds remotely, <laughs> this uh, brings a whole new dimension to evergreen.
1: No, ah! Oh, oh, oh. I, I thought of one last thing. I thought I think I think younger kids could play this pretty easily. It is one of those games where it's simple enough to learn. It's the, it's that whole simple learn, difficult to master thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think absolutely. I Absolutely. Kids do
0: Kids do very well with this one. Yeah,
1: okay. So I I throw that in cuz we got a lot of dads. In in some respects their little brains kind of handle it better than my brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've been raised on a steady diet of video games even more so than us.
0: Truth, truth.
1: Cuz we didn't have 3D until we were like what, in our late teens early 20s uh geez man i was
0: was that coming out of high school i, I, I was driving i was a junior
1: yeah
0: and we got playstation do
1: you, do you remember when that hard driving game or whatever the the sega one that was like three-dimensional with you know which, which had like
0: oh no that wasn't uh that was that was an atari game and that was the one that had the uh the the six speed with the clutch in the arcade cap. i know right right I, I convinced my my parents to teach me how to stick shift drive just so that I could play
1: that game. <laughs> really nice. That game blew my mind the first time I saw it. It's like it's like real life. Look at that. There must be dozens of polygons on the screen. Dozens, I tell you. <laughs> I can easily see thirty-seven feet in front of the car.
0: <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of our deep dive, which sadly means that we're at the end of our episode. As always, join us on all of our digital formats. We'd like to hear what you uh, think of not just the episode, but all of the different things that we've rambled on about. And that, of course, brings us to the very end of our episode, which, Robert, falls to you. Any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, we're going to try to play a microscope with a play-by-post over on the Facebook group and, and Trello, obviously. I'm curious to see how that works out. That looks <laughs> join us! Join the experiment, Jonathan. Because by participating, see what you do. become part of the experiment. And uh, I don't know if it'll work. We'll find out. And if it doesn't work, then I'll just try to organize something where we can get a couple hour block and play over on Discord, because that'll work well enough.
0: That sounds good. That sounds good.
1: All right, Robert. Well, there's only
0: one thing left to discuss, and that is be excellent to one another and party on.
1: Party on, Jonathan. the music you heard in this podcast was intro by ella Thiel. additional music was provided by brian winkleman funding for the forgot my dice podcast was provided by our supporters on patreon thank you